0: This podcast is hosted by Dr. Happimon Jacob. Dr. Jacob is an associate professor of security studies at Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. His weekly column on India's national security and foreign policy issues is published by The Hindu. He is also the author of two new books on India-Pakistan border, Line on Fire by Oxford University Press and Line of Control by Penguin India. Hello and welcome to the National Security Conversation. In mid October 2020, a major but rare power outage hit India's financial capital, the Mumbai city, affecting public transport, critical hospital systems, and households. Mumbai's suburban train services were brought to a standstill for over two hours. Hearings at the Bombay High Court were deferred. Domestic water supply to households located at the far ends of the supply network was impacted, and traffic signals lost power in the city, according to the Indian Express. In late February 2021, the New York Times reported, citing a study by Recorded Future, a US company that analyzes the use of internet by state actors, that it was a Chinese cyber attack against India, quote unquote, time to send a message that even if India pressed its claims too hard on the line of actual control, the lights could go out across the country. Maharashtra's Home Minister later acknowledged that the grid failure was potentially the result of cyber sabotage. However, the Union Power Ministry in New Delhi denied that the grid failure was linked to any cyber security incident. So, how vulnerable is India to Chinese cyber attacks or attacks by any other country, group or agency? How vulnerable are our systems? Are we prepared to meet the clear and present danger of cyber attacks against the country's critical facilities? To unpack and understand the challenge of cyber attacks to India's national security, I have with me Dr. Aruna Sharma. Dr. Sharma was Secretary in the Union Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology. She was a member in the high-level committee set up by the Reserve Bank of India for deepening digital payments in the country. Welcome to the National Security Conversation, Dr. Sharma.
1: Welcome and uh, nice to uh, meet you virtually and talk about it.
0: Thank you. You know, um, if I may begin by asking about this cyber attack uh, that India faced late last year, you know, in in late February this year, there were some very serious media reports that Chinese cyber attacks had uh, targeted India's electricity grid in Mumbai. This is not the first time this is happening. Um, you know, there, ha- there, there have been attacks in the past as well. What is your take on this? How worrying is the Chinese cyber attack to India at a time when the Sino-Indian relations are perhaps not uh, all that well at all?
1: Uh, I really like the word you said, reported in media okay. uh, kind of a word because uh, officially it's still in a denial mode. Okay. And that is worrisome. You know, it is not only an issue of China, per se, it can be any country. So in the sense when we are introspecting or we are taking corrective measures, we have to be open across the globe. You know, there is no friend, there is no enemy. Uh, It is only the circumstances. So today it may be through China, what is uh, thought of for the power grid or some of the instances we had in the past and tomorrow it can be anybody else. So in the sense, uh, we have to evolve the robust system so that we ensure ethics and we have a quick reaction time and we have and we develop equal redundancies. So the, the example which happened in end of February, it is really unfortunate. We are still in denial mode. So if it is not so, then we must get down to the brass tacks. And if it is so, there we know the gaps and we have to come up front for the corrective measures. By just media reports of banning some material from a particular country is a is a patchwork measure. That is what I'll say. Uh, that does not go a long way. It can come through any route. It can come through any other country, because uh, today uh, trading uh, of physical goods also, not just software. So software has no geographical boundaries, and uh, physical manufacturing also has no geographical boundaries. It can be manufactured in place A, B, C, D under any brand name, so.
0: Right, right. Dr. Yeah. So, that's, a, that's a very, very interesting point that you make. In fact, a couple of very interesting points. Um, on, on the one hand, you say there is a certain amount of denial, de- denial within the government. You know, the Maharashtra Home Minister actually acknowledged that uh, the grid failure was potentially the result of cyber sub- sabotage. However, the Union Power Ministry has denied that the power uh, failure was uh, because of any cyber security Uh, Incident Um, and and sort of combined uh, with what you said earlier about denial mode. What explains the denial mode? Why are we not really acknowledging acknowledging it and addressing it as it were?
1: That is that is the whole problem. You know, like uh, let let it is very important to know that whether it's a political stand taken by two because for everything uh, giving a political color is not very correct, especially in these kind of delicate matters. And uh, the two statements, then it, it really confuses the various bodies which are supposed to take the corrective measures or whether we have to evolve new bodies or new systems that whether it is an urgency, whether we are on a right path, whether we have sufficient checks and balances or we are fully wanting. So there is a strong need to have a look at it because this kind of a failure, it has to be, it cannot be brushed off as just being a technical failure somewhere of physical technology which disrupted. Uh, There could be reasons and uh, today the world is known for this and it is possible. I mean, the, the possibility has increased for these kind of an attack. So we have to be fully geared. And uh, what you call, this is a place to do the hair splitting, not the politics.
0: You know, Sh- Dr. Sama, you make a very, very interesting point. Uh, um, you know, that it, is, it doesn't matter whether it is from China or Russia because, uh, you know, the attacks could come from anywhere. What matters is how robust your systems are. So let me ask you therefore, the, how resilient, uh, you've you been a bureaucrat, you've been in the, in the union uh, ministries dealing with some of these issues. Uh, how resilient is India's... Critical infrastructure from cyber attacks. Are we sufficiently prepared to defend against these attacks, or is it a is there is there a long way to go for us as a country?
1: See, if I look at it, cyber attacks. I put it in different ways. Of a detection mechanism, we have right. So first, we have to detect whenever such attacks come. Two is how quick is our reaction time to these kind of attacks. And three is whether we have enough preventive measures taking from the past history of such attacks and whether we are able to come up with a robust system. Mm -hmm. Now with digitization entering into your life, whether in the financial world, whether it's in your trading world, whether it's in your commerce world, whether it's in your functioning of the automation or AI, which has come or internet of things, which has come into your entire manufacturing world also, as well as your service mode. Uh, where you gave an example of the power grid. So all these things are now electronically connected with each other. They are into a robust digital systems. So it is very important to detect. So I will say the certain is very, very strong where the detections have been possible for any erratic behavior. They have a very robust system where 24 by 7 it is monitored. Uh, I will tell you two of the financial attacks which happened were deducted uh, within a couple of minutes. And one, we could prevent it completely by stopping and doing a re- reversal transaction because of the efficiency. And we did not get into the red tapism. I signed it early in the morning at five o'clock because somebody has to physically bring the file from Mumbai to Delhi. But uh, then we could do it by talking to each other and saying that, okay, you take, take it, as approved and do do the reverse transfers. There is another incidence which happened a couple of years later of a cooperative bank which happened on a Friday of multiple by from ATMs across the globe. And Saturday and Sunday, those people went on sleeping, even though warning signal was there. So why I'm giving you this example is that detection system, we have a very robust system. Of course, there is always scope of improvement, but we have. But what is more important is making people aware and the reaction time. So that particular cooperative bank lost uh, a huge amount of money because of these uh, kind of attack. And the first example which I gave you could prevent it and their loss was just eight to ten lakhs of rupees, which they could not reverse it. So that much of shock they could be. So first thing is we do have a robust uh, detection systems and it is very important to focus on these systems and strengthen them much more that is one second is the reaction time which I said so you have to create awareness among the various bodies who are responsible to do the correction you know they, they can't take it for granted that okay a phone call comes or a mail comes or a fax comes and then okay you take your sweet time to react it's not going to happen that is very very important whether it is happening in the financial uh, thing, whether it is happening in service sector, whether it's happening in a company, any of the modes. So that second thing is also has to be worked out. Then if you look at the law, today we are working on two laws. One is the IPC code and one is the IT Act. Now, both of them, IT Act has some semblance to take care of it. But now what is the need of the day is to look at it by coming and uh, maybe an umbrella kind of a uh, system because they are all interconnected. And what you mentioned about the conscious attack by states, uh, the, that is something which will need a lot of interministerial, uh, negotiation, interministerial exchange of information within a within split of seconds. So the time given is not much. It is, the time is very, very short. So you need a robust systems where there is a constant mechanism of dialogues between these ministries, whether it is home, whether it is the user sectors like power, manufacturing, others, uh, or whether it is defence or whether it is the IT or whether the so all of them has to be. So I strongly feel there is a need to have an umbrella body where do you have representation the from there and immediate. Uh, recognition of the problem and attacking it. So this takes care of the detection and the reaction. But preventive is something we don't seem to be working on it at all. Before, if you look, yeah.
0: Before, before we go, uh, you know, uh, to the issue of um, institutional infrastructure that we have in India, you know, many of us in the in, among the general public are really unaware of the intensity of a cyber attack. What a cyber attack means. So. You know, uh, you being part of the government, um, you know, if if we were to sort of look at look at a doomsday scenario as it were, that is, if India faces an all out cyber attack, what could be some of its consequences? What what does it really mean? I mean, the Mumbai attack did show, we don't know whether it was a state sponsored or not, but it did show hospitals running out of power, you know, traffic lights not functioning, trains stopping. But in reality, what does it mean for the common man? What does it mean for the country?
1: See, if you look at it, uh, what it means from the common man, go back to science fiction movies or serials where, you know, a chip implanted in a body or a chip implanted somewhere or controlled, remote controlled by somewhere can freeze the entire system. And you have experienced it in the lockdown that it has hit you not only mentally. As physically as it has also hit your income levels, it hasn't hit your GDP, it hasn't hit your production mechanisms, and it was a known conscious physical lockdown because of COVID. Now imagine this happening sudden, the various functions which you're doing. Think about it that your entire financial transaction gets frozen, or your manufacturing gets frozen, or like you rightly said, the transport system gets frozen. Then, then, you know, it is going to hit the common man. You need redundancy to correct it and in a, it's not just that, like today if you lack it, it, it is a drone attack. It is the missiles which are electronically and software controlled. So in the sense even your warfare capabilities can be disrupted by these cyber attacks. So it is the common man's life, the functioning, the economy as well as your defense. So in the sense the cyber attack can take any form at any place so if you look at it that because it is all electronically and software controlled so in the sense we we all know as common persons the virus which comes into your system and then you put an antivirus and you do the correction and you see if a virus comes or if your system crash how disturbed you are which is which is a very small individualistic example which disturbs you now imagine it its happening to the community it's happening to a town it's happening to a state Right. So, so in the sense, uh, this is the danger which has, which, which I'll say this great evolution of technology has erupted with. And it is very important that one is conscious about it. One practices the cybersecurity measures. How you switch off your computer, what you download, what you don't download, which internet sites you see, you don't see. So even as a common person, this kind of an awareness and knowledge dissemination is very, very important uh, because they're absolutely unaware about it. And uh, many of the attacks, if you look at it, whether we had the financial attacks or the power grid attack, it is not so much, uh, it is more of a human failure. If you look at it you know that somebody did not pick it up at the right time or the robust measures were not there or any uh, virus which infects or some frauds which happen uh, it is not so much a system oriented as it is a human failure oriented so uh, awareness among the people of sops is very important what is a no no zone and what is a yes yes zone? right
0: and dr sharma um... Could you sort of guide us through the kind of organizational structure um, as far as policy making in the country on cybersecurity is concerned? What is the what is the sort of uh, structure that we have in place? Not much is known about it, so whatever you could tell us about it.
1: See, I think uh, today we have in groups, you know, we don't have like a complete policy. Mm-hmm. So you are talking about a data privacy policy. You are talking about... Uh, the systems of electronic manufacture, uh, you are talking about systems of not buying from particular countries for telecommunications, you are talking about uh, the certain which uh, mechanizes, then you have a defense department, you have a home department. So in the sense, this horizontal linkages of the policy is a problem. So if you talk of data privacy, e-commerce is coming up with its own instructions. So we have to understand this very, very clearly that there is a need to have an umbrella policy. Umbrella policy does not mean that you disrupt the advantage of the technology. So if you have a huge database that is built up, uh, whether you have built up through e-commerce, whether you have built up through the MIS systems of the government where they are giving benefits to the people, or whether it is the population register or these kind of datas, unless until you do analytics, what is the point in having a data? Yeah, it is. Do we, the,
0: unified, do, do we have a unified institutional structure to deal with some of these issues? No,
1: no. And that is where the whole problem lies. So, in the sense, we appreciate that this huge database is coming and you say, okay, this is the oil of future. But on the other hand, what you are talking about is you are trying to control the analytics part of the data that no, no, you have to store data within geographical boundaries of India. You can't store it in your system, you can store it elsewhere, you can do this, you can do that. But analysis is important, why, why the hell the data is there, mm-hmm. you need data to do in analytics to plan for whatever business you are in for a better impact and a better future. So when the government is in the business of giving benefits to people, they have to analyze the data. If you want uh, sustainable development goals of nobody should be left behind. How do I know who is left behind till I do the analysis a proper data with a proper analysis? So in the sense our data protection law has to be one which takes care of the entire mechanisms of how do you operate the data. It should not be like creating a bogey of uh, prevent that, oh, oh, you are going to analyze the data and harm us. No. Data is for analysis, but how do we, under the data policy, take care of our cybersecurity? That is what is important. So, in the sense, data privacy law should not be talked in every policy, but one policy, which is not there today. So, we need a robust data policy, which has to be discussed with stakeholders, drawn out well, which should not hamper data collection and data analysis and data storages but it should create a mechanisms that it is not misused. So, it's a a very correct kind of a balance you have to do. Similarly, you have electronic manufacturing policy, right? So, or procurement policy. So, so these are the two ways. It will come through software, so it will come through hardware. So, in the hardware part of it, if you have the electronic manufacturing policy, we lost the race, right, in the electronic manufacture. We have become like an assembly center today. So, we have to have a plan and government has a policy of what you call Make in India or Atmanirbhar, which we did it, it's very effectively in steel, that uh, whatever you procure, if it is of the standard, similar standards is made in India, then you will not import, right? Now this policy is applicable to all the departments. So it is applicable to electronic procurement also. So what is needed is you should have a list of what is manufactured on date in India a complete no-no for import. And what is not manufactured, you have to have a timetabling. Right. You cannot have it like end in itself. You say, okay, we can develop capability in three years. We can develop capability in five years. So till that time, we allow the imports with these kind of checks and balances. After five years, either you have a JV with them in India or our own people are able to do, we are able to manufacture that electronic part within the country. So that kind of a timetabling is important, which is not happening today.
0: Let me try, let me try and understand that argument better. You, so you basically saying that imported hardware and software are understood to be one of the major sources of cyber vulnerability as far as we are concerned.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, 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 and we probably at this point of time do not have a robust mechanism uh, to check the imported hardware and software for potential hacks and threats. Have I got that right?
1: Absolutely right, because people say that it is impossible to check the imported hardware. Software, at least you have many checks and balances. We have evolved it over a period of time. But hardware, it is not. But it is important to have a standard. Like even anything manufactured in India has to go through the robust test of standards. Because you can have a malware even there. You can have a backdoor uh, kind of uh, arrangements even there. Right. So, so in the sense, you can't be complacent because it is just made in geographical boundaries of India. So it is very important to set these standards of checking, which has to be a constant evolution process. So you have to check the technology to prevent these kind of malwares coming. One is prevention. And second, what I said is detection. And third is reaction. So if these three we are able to do with this umbrella policy, which is today in bits and pieces, we don't have a holistic outlook on it and have an interministerial umbrella body. So with a Quick reaction times, the quick meeting times, the quick exchange uh, mechanisms of uh, information—we will be on the right path. We will be on the right path.
0: Yeah, this is interesting because if I if I sort of read what you just said along with what you said earlier on about the fact that it doesn't matter where the where the hardware or the software is coming from—it may be China, it may be United States, it may be Japan—doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that you as a country needs to have systems in place uh, irrespective of the origin of these of, of, of this uh, material because uh, intentions of the states uh, of states could change the, the adversarial or friendly intentions uh, uh, could evolve over time so you are basically saying that it doesn't matter we need to have a national policy for checking uh, some of these things for uh, hacks and uh, threats as a way
1: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Because, you know, like it blindly saying that a country, I'm going to blacklist it, is not going to help you. It can enter you through XYZ country also. So in the sense, uh, and and we have uh, uh, some examples of attack coming from Russia also. Right. It did happen. Uh, so in the sense, uh, it can happen from anywhere. And, and like you very correctly said, there is no permanent friends. Tomorrow, if if you being See, you have to understand, India, 1.3 billion population is a commercial bright spot. Mm -hmm. Every country is interested in this country because you are a huge consumer market. Mm -hmm. And the efforts of India is that we don't become just a market, but we have a share in the manufacturing also. So which could be indigenous, which could be through joint ventures, which could be through FDIs, which could be through any mechanisms. Now, once they have a geographical boundary here and they are manufacturing, the technology is from there. You have to understand. So even if it is made in India, you you have to have a robust mechanism to test. So mm-hmm. testing mechanism has to be very robust. Have to be established, and only then you go or give ahead for any electronic physical equipment.
0: What is the state today uh, as far as testing some of these? Uh, uh... Uh, Exactly. Not
1: under one umbrella, not under one umbrella, you have different testing labs and uh, these different testing labs are always doubtful whether they are able to get into the uh, complete uh, software uh, which is coming with the electronic equipment or whether there is a spyware somewhere, because that is what we read in the media also. They say you ban a particular company because you doubt they may put a spyware. That company says no, we do have not put you, put us to any test. So who is, who is going to get the final word on it? It cannot be a political word. It has to be a scientific, robust body's word, right? Which says that, yes, X, Y, this is the spyware, or this is not the spyware, or this is where the location of the spyware is there. So it has to evolve constantly. It is difficult. It is very difficult because it may come in an innocuous way. And And let me tell you one thing now it may not come directly into your telecommunication equipment or other things it may come up through other kind of databases also uh, in the sense which are dependent on the telecommunication and uh, you can have the attack from there so so that's why it is very important to have an authority like you have for software any software built is tested for the malware only then it is allowed to be practiced so whether it is in a private sector or a government sector that is also an evolving science. Constantly, you need robust people who are aware of what's happening across the globe. Similarly, you need in electronic goods manufactured anywhere to constantly have a third body which certifies and says that okay, there is a danger or there is not a danger. So it cannot be a government statement or political statement. It has to be a scientific statement.
0: Very, very interesting. You know, so how we look at um, some of these systems or some of this equipment it shouldn't be a political one, but it should be actually a scientific one. Now, given that, given that very interesting point that you make, how do you look at the whole debate about five G and Huawei and all of that? You know, and of course, China being involved in all of that.
1: Very true. If you look at the five G technology, you know, the, on the entire hype about the five G. Frankly speaking, I have a different opinion on this various spectrums. Uh, what is more important is the penetration. If you look at the penetration, you need to use the 700 megahertz, which today you must have seen auction. There were no takers because we are pricing it high. Mm. My personal opinion is that is something. It is not the revenue maximization spectrum band. It is something to be used to give a top quality connectivity to the remotest corner in the country and that is possible only by 700 megahertz. So that is what is very, very important. Similarly, if you look at it, that when you talk of 5G, the big hype we are creating, 100% electronic is going to be imported in that. Now whether you say that we will not get from A because some particular telecom networks are importing and using from A, the other ones are using from B country, right? Now. To change the whole system, you know the, how the electronics works, they are all interlinked. You know, your one instrument is linked to the other, the router is linked with the system, the system is linked with something else. So in the sense, it's a complete change. So if you ban something, you're going to change the whole thing? Is it so? And tomorrow, if that company comes with another brand name with a physical location in third country, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? So. What is more important is yes, man is a stand you take or maybe sometimes you give a signal that we are aware about this kind of things and we do not appreciate and therefore we are coming up with this statement. But like I said, even though sounding repetitive, this has to come through a very, very strong scientific body which is respected by all.
0: Sorry for pushing you on this but where do you stand on the who are why question?
1: Okay uh you you really want me to say about it well uh truthfully speaking uh huawei if you look at their technical report uh their technical report is saying there is nothing negative about it it's it's an impression created that they because they come from a particular their origin is from a particular country there is a possibility of them putting the spyware or having a backdoor Kind of an arrangements, uh, you know, these these kinds of allegations are there on them, but we have not come up with any evidence as yet. Right? That that is a fact. That is a fact. It how it is. So I'm not saying that uh, foolhardily you import from Huawei, but you must come up with an evidence that because of this evidence we do not want it. Right? Or because of these kind of things we do not want it. That is that is what is important. And if you and the way they are marketing themselves, they are much, much cheaper than your European counterparts.
0: So, so this, this basically takes me to the entire question of uh, indigenization of uh, technology in the domain of cyberspace and cybersecurity infrastructure. How useful is it to seek complete indigenization or move towards more and more indigenization in the field of cyber uh, space in order to ensure cybersecurity? Is that even possible? How desirable is that?
1: Absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. If you look at the electronic manufacturers, you know, if you talk to them, they have a capability. What they need is a supporting, facilitating ecosystem. They are capable of doing it. Your procurement policies, your first attack is because, you know, if you look at this major goods which come, uh, is a government procurement. Not so much in the private sector. Telecom is a separate example. But if you look at the power grids, if you look at others, the, the all the equipments, everything maximum, it is governed. Now, the kind of tendering or the kind of language in defense and others you use, there you talk about a turnover. You talk about the past sales. You talk about other things. So these uh, Indian manufacturers are getting left out, one. Number two, in pricing, I totally agree because this is what we did in steel sector. That uh, steel, when we said that, uh, we, we said no compromise on quality. So, in railways, you have RDSO. In uh, Gale, you, it is the pipeline which buys pipes. You, they have their own systems. They all tested it. After testing, they said, absolutely, they are good, on par, or maybe better than what they are importing. Then we put the foot down that you cannot import. But having said that, even though there is no price control, our manufacturers became suddenly very happy and jacked up the price. Then we told them, I said, if the government is standing and encouraging you, you have to be competitive to the world prices. Mm -hmm. You cannot market it at more price. Mm -hmm. So you have to balance out both. And that is what made the whole difference. Now here in electronic goods, the economy of scale is not in favor of the Indian manufacturers as on date. So we have to handhold them that, okay, these are the equipments we are going to buy only from you. That is the Indian manufacturers because it is of robust quality, fully meeting the requirements and we go ahead with it. These are the ones you have to yet improve. And we give you three years time. We handhold you. We commit to you that we'll buy from you provided you develop in coming three years. This was done for uh, oil and gas uh, thing where they have those drilling pipes. They said what they have manufactured to the scale will take two years. So we said, okay, two years we allow you to import. But meanwhile, Indian manufacturers, you will be constantly testing. And after two years, you stop it, provided they meet your quality requirements and price requirements. So we have to follow a similar policy in electronics. We have to handle them. We have to tell them to go ahead. See, braids are there, capability is there. We are not wanting on this. But economy of scale is not there at all. Not there. They're very, very small MSMEs which are making it. So now think of uh, Huawei or Cisco uh, quoting a price of manufacturer and, and we coming. And many of them have off- offloaded manufacturing in India. They don't have a brand. It is becoming like body shopping of uh, Infosys. You know, like uh, in software, we don't frame a question. The question is framed by Google or Yahoo or Microsoft. And we provided them the best answers. Mm-hmm. So We don't have a product. We don't have a product and software. So we did a body shopping in that. Exactly similar thing. We are doing a space shopping in electronics. Right? So we are making for them, but brand is theirs. We can have our own brands. Here again, my previous question comes. If you have a good testing facility, absolutely no problems.
0: Right. So, so to that extent, therefore, what you need is a proper testing facility and the legal mechanisms around that rather than desire and complete indigenization, which is perhaps going to be going to be an illusion. Have I got that right?
1: Yes, you cannot. You cannot do it. You know, we are, in electronic manufacturer, like I said before, we have lost the race. So it, it's going to take some time, but it will happen. It will happen. So you have to start today. And the legal mechanism is there. Make in India policy is in place, which has been now formally issued by the uh, erstwhile Deepam and the Dipit department now. So, in the sense to give advantage or priority by government bodies in procurement will give them an economy of scale. But we have to rigorously follow by getting into nuts and bolts, like the steel examples I gave you. You can't just have a policy and then the procurer says, no, no, this is not meeting the standards. You have to say, okay, fine. What is not meeting is it possible to give a time only two years and after two years you come back to it, or after five years you come back to it, and that is how it will grow? That is how it will grow. But as far as chip manufacturing is concerned, I think we have lost the race because huge capacity is available across the globe. So if we make something now, it will take three years to manufacture, we'll be outdated. We'll be outdated. Interesting.
0: Dr. Sharma, you know, in un, unlike in the other aspects of national security, I think private sector appears to have a key role to play in the cybersecurity domain. So what is the sort of coordination that happens today between the government and the private sector, as well as within the government on, on cybersecurity issues?
1: See, on software, there is a complete coordination. There's no problem on that. On electronic goods also, there's a complete coordination as to what is imported, what is coming and import, what assembly line is happening where it is going everything is there but the cyber security part of it is need to be robustly tested than opinionated today it is more opinionated that you have an opinion that okay some uh, brand names may be indulging into spy spying and that's how is the decisions are taken so we cannot be we have to need a much more robust system see i'll tell you in the power all transformers uh, the electronic part of it is imported from taiwan 100 percent it is it is not small it is absolutely 100 percent. so that is what it is going so how how are you going to do it and that is what uh, makes the whole difference when you're working upon it so what is important is that the checks and balances are there the systems are getting checked your mobile phones are getting checked uh, your uh, the, the telecommunication equipment is getting checked and it is completely in the private sector Completely in the private sector. So you come with an umbrella policy of banning a particular product. Again, I'll say with evidence. Mm
0: -hmm. That's right. I was trying to get more at uh, the possibility of consultations between the private sector and the uh, government. Uh, In your experience, uh, has that taken place? Uh, Yes,
1: yes. Yes, yes. There are platforms where these constant discussions are happening. Right. Because, see, you just see the entire system or the spread of uh, equipment that is happening across. And if there is a ban, it is in the public domain. There are uh, the stakeholders which have been using of a particular brand or a particular they were importing from a particular country. There are constant discussions. A time is given. Similarly, the data localization, Uh, there were discussions with the e-commerce companies, right? How they are going to go about it, to what extent they walk, what extent they don't. But what where the problem is lying is it cannot be knee jerk policies it is very important to have consistency in our policy it is very very important to develop because see we have to realize one thing in electronic and software world it is the world is interdependent we cannot have 100% indigenous software or 100% indigenous electronic goods no we have to have a collaboration And if somebody is going to put money in your country or is going to collaborate in company, they want to know 20 years policy. They want to understand the direction you are going. They want to understand how consistent you are in what you are talking. So our policies have to be really debated and has to be consistent. So there are platforms, there are discussions with the stakeholders, there are going. The problem where it is coming, when there is a knee jerk somersaults. That's right. That's and right. that is where the problem comes. And then everybody gets disturbed about it because uh, it requires finances. Any corrections, any change requires finances. It is not just that, okay, there is a change. So while we have a mission of making India or Atmanirbhar, or or is, this is a clarion call given, what is important is to have a holistic approach to the whole thing. Holistic staged approach, I put it that way.
0: But, Dr. Sharma, may I ask you this one final question about data localization? There has been a lot of hype and debate about data localization. How critical is that? How useful is that? And how, how how feasible is that, if I may put it that way?
1: So, in the sense, we have to understand that, yes, data localization is more symbolic that, okay, we are watchdogs. We know you are not misusing the data. You You are not analyzing the data, which is going to disrupt the interest of the country. It is there so you have a checks and balance mechanism so that you have a tool to see what exactly they are doing to your data that is to that extent you walk then when you store in india in within india also it will be stored in more multiple two places at least for data redundancy in the seismic zone so generally you have servers in delhi and then in hyderabad or some such place you know to protect your data so that is how it works then Repetitive data, which is being taken, we have to stop. The main problem is coming there. Your own society must be asking you Aadhaar number, mobile number, PAN number, this number, that number. So, how many places you are giving this? You think about it. So, we have to come up with a mechanism where you do away with this system if we seriously want data misuse not to happen. Because any data misuse has happened has not happened by your bank. It has not happened by where officially you are supposed to give the data. It has happened because of the multiple places where your data is lying and somebody got access of that data and have misused it. So, whether it is physically within India or outside India, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, yes, data localization is more symbolic. It has to happen. It has to control. There is bound to be a mirror image of it, of wherever the company belongs to. So, you have to have a tool to check that it is not misused to your disadvantage. So, you can walk only that much and no more.
0: You know, I must ask you this, since you are part of the government. There is also an argument that data localization helps the government to sort of uh, uh, mount increased surveillance of its own citizens uh, domestically. How, is, is that argument?
1: See, like I said, data use is an ethical issue. Mm. It is not... Today's government has enough data about us. You, you, your name is there in the voter list. Your name is there in the uh, census list. Your name, address, everything profile is there in number of places. So if uh, you want to track, you don't need any additional data. There is enough data in the government. Your PAN number, everything is there, uh, bank, bank account number to track you. But it is the confidence and ethical issue. It is basically an ethical issue that, okay, your data is there, but nobody is interested to trouble you on that or nobody is going to interfere. It will only be surveillance. See, if you knew previously, if you see, uh, surveillance was a single line, right? And if somebody is to be surveyed at a very high level, officer has to endorse it. Yeah. Only then somebody could do it. Now you have allowed it, Mama. 10 bodies, right? Then you have downgraded the level of permission to do it. That has put the doubts among the minds of the people because see, after all, your privacy and your human right is topmost. Topmost. There's no doubt about it. Unless until you are doing some activity which is needs to be served. Otherwise, for a normal man, it should not be. So it's, it's more an ethical issue that whether it is being used as a tool Uh, to trouble somebody or to target somebody or whether it is a tool to nip in bud of any nefarious activity which is happening. So it's purely 100% ethical issue. Data is there. It can be used. It was like uh, what used to talk in uh, earlier days uh, when computers came, garbage in, garbage out. So it is now like data is there. It is for you whether you use it effectively to what I said before to ensure nobody is left out and it's an inclusive growth the country is targeting at or to provide the good export markets to small people. That is one use of data. Another use of data if you want to indulge into harassment of the people. So data is safe. It is up to you. Dr. Right?
0: Dr. Arnav Sharma, fascinating insights. Thank you so much for joining this conversation. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate and follow us. For regular updates, you can also follow our Twitter handle NSC with HJ or our Facebook page National Security Conversations with Happymon Jacob.